John 14. John 14, we're going to go over there. Now, we're going to continue our series on the helper. Everybody say the helper. Now, we've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit for the past four weeks. Now, this will be the fifth week of our series, The Helper. And this will probably be our last week. I know you're sad about it. Uh, but we're going to talk, probably talk about something different when we come back. Now, next week, we have Pastor Nancy Dufresne with us next Sunday morning. So uh, she's going to be here all, all next weekend, actually. She's going to be here Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at our church. Now, if you haven't heard Pastor Nancy, there's no way to describe it other than she's one of the best teachers of the Bible on the planet. And we honor her. And, of course, we know Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy, they've meant so much to our church and our church family. And so we honor Pastor Nancy. We love her. And uh, so she's going to be a blessing to our church. So next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, she'll be here. So next Sunday morning, she'll be preaching in the pulpit. Uh, so that will be what's going on next week. But we're going to finish up this series on the helper. And I left the most controversial thing for the end. Now, not to most of you, but just in the world in general. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I know you're curious to know what it is. So John 14 and verse 15. This is red letter Jesus speaking. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another, notice, helper. Talking about the Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you, notice, and he will be in you. And we're living in those days that the Holy Spirit's not just on us, but when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. So we are children of God. And it says in verse 18, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Now let's look over at the book of Acts. Acts 2. So in the past four weeks, you know, if you haven't been here, I encourage you to get uh, those messages and listen to them. We said a lot of stuff that I can't repeat all of it today or I'm going to have no time to talk about what we need to talk about today. But we explained tons of stuff the past several weeks on what the Holy Spirit or who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, why is he important, what he brings to your life, how he helps you, how he leads you, how he guides you. We covered a lot in the past four weeks probably four hours worth of stuff. So I can't repeat all that right now. You can go back and listen to it. But I wanted to say all those things first before we got to this. And so we're today going to talk about what it means to pray in tongues or pray in the Spirit. Now I left this for the last one so you guys wouldn't get confused because we went over this in the first couple lessons about the Holy Spirit, because we said the Holy Spirit is not tongues, and he's not just a feeling, and he's not people falling out, he's not people laughing, he's not people taking laps. Now, the Holy Spirit can come on you, and you do that, but that's not necessarily the Holy Spirit. But speaking in other tongues, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is a gift from the Holy Spirit, given to all believers, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're literally going to try to cover as much as we can about this subject just this morning. And I'm going to try to do the best I can to explain it to you in a simple way, but yet try to be thorough in everything we need to say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because maybe you've heard this before, maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe you heard people that were in error when they taught this. But hopefully this message will clear up this subject. Now, if I didn't think praying in the Spirit was important, I wouldn't talk about it. But since I do, I'm going to talk about it. And since the Bible does, I'm going to talk about it. And we're not ashamed to be a charismatic Pentecostal church. See, you notice that when I said that, y'all said amen, because that's what charismatic and Pentecostal people do. They say, amen. Or shout me down. Or hallelujah. Or preach it, white boy. Or something like that. They say one of those things. Or they just say, Holy Ghost, and just, just shout it out. They don't say Holy Spirit, they say Holy Ghost. So, that's what we're going to talk about today. Like I said, if I didn't think it was important, I wouldn't talk about it. 
If I didn't think it would help you, I'm not going to talk about it. But since the Bible talks about it, and I think it's an important gift that the Holy Spirit gives every believer, and that you need it for your life, that's what we're going to talk about it. All right. We're going to cover a lot of ground. You ready? You ready to do this? Okay, so Acts 2 in verse 1. Now, Acts 2 and verse 1, we know this is the early church. This is when the church got started on this day, 2,000-some years ago. And this is a very familiar verse, especially in Pentecostal circles, Acts 2 and verse 1. But this is what happened on the first day. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Notice that they were in all in one accord and in one place. They were, they were in unity. The church was in unity. That's a key. In verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and set upon each one of them. And verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice that they were all, how many? How many? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice, and they began to speak in other tongues. Notice, as the Spirit, Holy Spirit gave them utterance, or we could say words to say. Utterance is really an old kind of King James word, but really words to say. So, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. You ready to go today? You ready to get this thing started? Okay. So, we know that Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to come. Jesus said, I'm going to send you one. He's going to be just like me. He is God. He's going to come and he's going to help you do what you're called to do. He's going to be your helper. He's going to be your comforter. He's going to give you power to do the works of God. And if you read the book of Acts, you know that that The people in the book of Acts, the early disciples and apostles of Jesus, they did the same things that Jesus did in the Gospels, didn't they? Now, how did they do that? How did they heal people? How did they deliver people? How did they preach and people get saved? How did all those things happen? It happened because they had the same spirit that Jesus had, which is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, you need to wait in Jerusalem until I send the Holy Spirit. Because you can't fulfill the mission of God apart from the Spirit of God. So you need to wait for Him to come because He's going to help you fulfill the plan of God. Because He's the only person that gives you the power to do the works of God is the Holy Spirit. Because we can't do those by ourselves. I can't heal anybody. I can't deliver anybody. I can't save anybody. I can't help anybody apart from the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? And you can't either. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. And so Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to come fill you with himself, and not just fill you, but fill you to overflowing that you're able to help other people. Okay, so this is what happened. We know that when Jesus was crucified... The disciples were all scared. They were freaking out, as you would be too. Your leader just got crucified, so you're thinking that they're going to come crucify you. So all the disciples, there's about 120 right then, they go to an upper room in Jerusalem. Now, they're freaking out. All the disciples that act like they were tough before Jesus got crucified, they're acting like little babies right then. They're all in the upper room, about 120 of them, And they have the doors locked because they don't want anybody to come find them and crucify them. But what are they doing? They're being obedient to Jesus and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. So it says in Acts 2 and verse 1, and let's read it again. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. So they were all in one accord and they were all in one place. That's important because the Spirit of God will not be poured out in your life or in a church if there's strife. Come on now. Are you here this morning? The Spirit of God's not going to move in your life if you're angry at everybody, if you're in strife, if you're unforgiving. The Spirit of God can't move in your life because He needs 
unity. He needs people to be in one accord and in one place. And so that's what they were. All these early disciples, 120 of them, were in this upper room in one accord. They were in unity and they were in one place. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, what is Pentecost? Pentecost is not just a word we use for crazy people. Do you know that? Pentecost is a feast that they have in Israel. Now, we know that Jesus was crucified in the feast of Passover, which is a Jewish feast. But 50 days later, the Jewish people still today celebrate a feast called the Feast of Pentecost. So that's why these people reading the Bible at that time understood what the day of Pentecost meant. It meant that it's 50 days from Passover. Now, us that live in America, we can read over stuff like this and we're just like, what's the point? Pentecost, I don't get it. But there's significance behind every word that's written in the Bible. It's not just filler words. That's why you need to study your own Bible so you figure these things out. So we see that Pentecost happens 50 days after Passover, which are all feasts. And 50 days, so that's 50 days after Jesus had been crucified. 50 days afterwards, that's how long they were waiting for the Holy Spirit, 50 days. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord and all in one place. And notice in verse 2 it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. So they were sitting in one accord in one place these 50 days after Jesus had went to be with his father. 50 days after his crucifixion. They're sitting here, and notice it said a sound came from heaven. Sound came from heaven. That's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) The Holy Spirit was coming in all his fullness to the earth. And it says there's a sound that came from heaven. You know, many years ago, not so much today, but many years ago, when people used to talk about the Holy Spirit or tongues or spirit-filled people, they always used to slant it in a way that made it sound like it's demonic or it's... It's evil, or it's, you know, Satan's making you do something. But notice it says there's a sound that came from heaven. I'm about to stomp my feet and start preaching now. I mean, it's a Pentecostal message, so I better be a little bit more animated as I preach. But he said there's a sound that came from heaven, not hell. Not a demonic thing. It was the Holy Spirit of God, who is God himself, was coming to earth, and there was a sound that came from heaven which was the Spirit of God coming to not just fill these disciples, but to fill the whole earth. And so there's a sound that came from heaven. And notice what happened next. It was a sound as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And we know this. We've studied this uh, the past several weeks. Another word for the Holy Spirit or the word spirit in uh, the original language is the word breath or wind. And it says that the Spirit of God, notice, came like a rushing, mighty wind. See, if you didn't study your Bible, you wouldn't see the significance of these words. People just read over this stuff like it's filler words, but God is trying to speak something through you to to these things that he's using these words not just to say something, but he's trying to explain how powerful the Spirit of God is. That he's coming, notice, not like a wind, a rushing, mighty wind. He's using some powerful words for the Spirit of God. It's not just some little wind. It's a rushing mighty wind that the Holy Spirit came in and it filled, notice it filled the whole place where they were sitting. It's okay if we study a little bit in our Bibles this morning. So it it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So this entire room was filled with the presence of God. In verse 3, says, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice that. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, it says that the tongues came as fire. As fire. Once again, 
these words are significant. He's speaking to people who know the Old Testament. He's speaking to Jewish people who are very aware of all the stories in the Old Testament. And we know from the Old Testament that God reveals himself as fire in the Old Testament. This is not just somebody had a lighter and lit it up above their head, started speaking in tongues. Not that somebody just lit a match. This is significant because it's God. And we know in the Old Testament, it says that that God revealed himself. He led the children of Israel as a pillar of fire. We know that when he appeared to Moses, he was in the burning bush as fire. He appeared to Abraham as fire. We see in the prophets like Isaiah and some of the rest of the prophets, when they see God and see his presence, the best way they can describe it is like fire. The way it looks. So we see that it's significant that there's tongues of fire. It's not just somebody had a smoke break. One of the early disciples and just has lighter up here. Just lighter, just uh, tongues of fire on my head. No, this was God. This was God's presence. And they know when fire is mentioned, it's significant because it's God. That's the way God revealed himself in the Old Testament. So we see in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, when they describe it, they describe it as fire. Because God reveals himself, especially in that Old Testament, a lot of times as fire. So this is, this is powerful. We need to read The book of Acts is differently if we saw the significance in the words that he's using. So we see the presence of God came in as a sound from heaven. The presence of God came as a rushing mighty wind. And the presence of God came as a fire from heaven. So we see that this wasn't necessarily a fire that would burn you up. It wasn't a fire that was lighting the whole upper room and burning it apart. This is what they experienced. They're trying to explain what they experienced in words that we would understand. And how many know if you've ever experienced God sometimes, you don't have words to describe it. You've got to do the best you can do to describe the presence of God. And that's, that's how they're trying to explain it, that God's presence was like a mighty sound. God's presence was like a rushing mighty wind. They felt the presence of God. God's presence was like fire. They felt like they saw fire. Now, nobody get nervous. We need to explain this. Because sometimes we put God in a box that he can't do certain things. And we get intimidated just because a couple weirdos in churches did some strange things that they were wrong. They maybe were wrong, but that doesn't deny the fact that God is supernatural. And God can do things that you can't explain in your own natural speech. God can make you feel things that you couldn't explain to anybody else. God can let you see things that you can't explain to anybody else. So that's what they were experiencing. So let's not make them act like they were stranger. They were weird. They're just explaining to us what they experienced. And so it it says he came, the Holy Spirit, and he said upon each one, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice it was the beginning, not the end of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) It wasn't like, oh, that was it. We started with a bang. It's downhill from here. No, this was the beginning of the church, not the end. This was the beginning of the Spirit of God moving. And it says they began to speak. And they were all filled and they all spoke. That's important. Now, we know that it's important in the Bible when you read it. If it's mentioned first, you need to pay attention to the story. The law first mentioned. And so we read this. And a lot of people will read this story especially Christian people, and they feel like that this was just a one-time thing. 
This is a one-time event. It's not for us today. Well, let's talk about that. Because this was just the beginning, not the end. And it says, they all spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, if it was just mentioned one time in the book of Acts or in the New Testament, you could maybe argue that point. But actually, we're not going to turn there today, but study it out yourself. There is five times in the book of Acts where the same thing happens. So it's not a one-time event for some special group of people. This happened five separate times in the book of Acts. Now, each of those times, it's different, but the same thing happened. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in other tongues. You're still listening today. So this is not a one-time event for the church. We know that the book of Acts is the blueprint for the church. And in the book of Acts, it says time after time that they were not just had the Holy Spirit, they were filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke with other tongues. That's what the book of Acts says. Now, we're we're trying to be scriptural here, what the Bible says. So this is not a one-time event that certain special apostles experienced. This is something that happened time after time in the early church, and some of those times were 10, 15, 30 years after this first experience. So this is not a one-time thing. You still follow me today. I know i got to teach you a lot of this stuff, but we need, we need to understand this. So this is not something that happened once. This happened all throughout the early church. Now, the thing about this, some people argue that this experience stopped after the last apostle or disciple died. Well, that's not true. Because... The Holy Spirit is not a gift of an apostle. Speaking in tongues is not a gift of a disciple. This prayer language is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And since the Holy Spirit's not dead, the gift's not dead. And notice, he gave this gift to the early disciples and apostles. It wasn't a gift that only the first people had. So, since he's still here, that gift is still here. And that's what it is. The ability to have a personal prayer language with God is a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's something that's beautiful. It's something that's powerful. It's something that's wonderful. I know a lot of charismatic Pentecostal people have made it sound ugly and made it sound wrong, but it's not. It's a gift from God. And how many know the Holy Spirit's only going to give good gifts? He's only going to give something that's going to bless your not life, not make you a weirdo. It's not from the devil. It's not, it's not strange. It is supernatural. And it's from the Spirit of God. You're still here this morning. So they all began to speak, and they were all filled. Notice that. They all began to speak, and they were all filled. He didn't say 30% God that day. 50% got it that day. No, 75%. No, they were all filled and they all began to speak. Every one of them. And if you read the other five accounts in the, the book of Acts, it says the same thing. They were all filled and they all began to speak when they received the Holy Spirit. So it is a gift from the Holy Spirit for every believer. Let's look at Acts 2 in verse 38. Now stay with me here. I know I'm doing a lot of teaching. Acts 2 in verse 38. Acts 2 in verse 38. Now before we read this, understand what happened. After all these disciples prayed in tongues or prayed in the spirit, whatever you want to call it, Same thing. There's a lot of terms used for this. After these early disciples started praying in tongues, it says that they left the upper room and they went out and they started proclaiming the good news about Jesus. Now something supernatural was happening because they were praying in tongues, but people were hearing it in their own languages. Now only God can do that. But what happened is Peter 
stood up and he preached because everybody was hearing the gospel in their own languages. And Peter stood up and preached, and we know that he preached a message, and he said, he explained to him what, what everything was happening. He said, no, this was prophesied a long time ago in the book of Joel, that God would pour out his, out his spirit upon all flesh. And that's what's happening to these disciples, is the prophecy spoken by the prophet Joel. And he says that these men are not drunk, they're not crazy, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But notice at the end of it what he says to all these people. There's thousands of people out there. Acts 2 and verse 38, he says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And notice, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And verse 39, notice what it says. For the promise, notice, is to you and to your children... And to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now that's exactly what I just said. It's not just for these first early Christians. He said, this is for you, but for your children and your children's children. And notice, in all that are far off from God in 2016, that same Holy Spirit is for them. And it's a gift from God. And so he says, now this experience is not just for us, it's for you, and it's for all that our God will call. So we see that this gift of the Holy Spirit is not just for certain people, it's for everyone. And it is to be received by God. Now, let's look over at John 7. Hopefully you're getting something this morning. (laughs) John 7. So let me kind of bring some more uh, clarity to this. When in the New Testament, when it talks about tongues, really a better word for that would be languages. Because we know that tongues has a stigma on it. And that's really kind of an old King James way to say it. They spoke in tongues. Really, the better word, like I said, is they spoke in languages. That's the real word in the original language. They spoke in languages, but they were languages that are not known to you. So it's not like you learned French or Spanish or English. It is a language that is from God that you don't know. It's unknown to you. So a lot of times you'll see in the Bible they'll use the word tongues or unknown tongue or unknown language or praying in the Spirit. It's all the same thing. But the best way to put it is language. Now I love this Jack Hayford who is a scholar of scholars. He said, and he wrote a book about this. I'm going to read a quote from him in a little bit. But he wrote a book, and he called it this, and I love this. You would think differently about praying in the Spirit. He called it the beauty of a spiritual language. We need to see praying in tongues and praying in the Spirit as beautiful, as powerful. And then it's not something nasty and backwoods, and you guys need that crutch because, you know, you're not educated. We just proved that today, didn't we? We don't need nothing. But notice, people will try to portray that as the Pentecostal charismatic people that speak in tongues. They need that because they're uneducated and they're poor and they live in bad areas of town. And, you know, they need that because they're backwoods. And Okay. Isn't that true? I'm just hitting all the stereotypes that people try to slam that make no sense whatsoever. So, We see that the Holy Spirit is a language, but it's from God. It's unknown to our human minds and our human intellect. It is a beautiful spiritual, it's a spiritual language. It's not a natural language. Tongues or praying in the Spirit is a spiritual language that God gives you for a couple reasons. Now, He gives you that spiritual language for prayer. 
God gives you a spiritual language for prayer so that you can pray things out that you wouldn't know how to pray in your own natural mind. God gives you a spiritual language so you can praise Him in a language that's unknown to you. And we see that praying in tongues, when I'm talking about this, I'm not talking about something necessarily publicly right now. I'm talking about He gives you a private, personal prayer language for your own life, for your own devotional time. That's what I'm talking about today. To help you, to strengthen you, so you can pray things out that you don't know how to pray. So you can give God praise in an unknown language. And it's powerful. Now keep listening because I'm going to explain to you why it's so important. Now John 7, in verse 37... John 7 and verse 37. Now Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. It says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38. And he who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. In verse 39. But he spoke this notice concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So we see that Jesus was prophesying that it's going to come one day, that you're not just going to be filled with the Spirit, you're going to be filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. And it's not happening right now. It's going to happen when I go to the cross and when I die and when I'm glorified. Then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and He's going to come fill you. And notice it says, and out of your heart or your spirit is going to flow rivers of living water. Stay with me. Okay. Here's another thing that people want to say. I got all the Holy Spirit I needed when I got saved. Yes and no. You did. The Holy Spirit came in you to fill you. Isn't this good? Didn't this look good? I want a drink of this. (laughs) Okay, so... Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes in you, He's going to fill you. But notice there's another experience for the believer that comes. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you. When you get filled, the Holy Spirit comes on you. Okay, if you're saved in here, but you haven't received the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where we're talking about praying in the Spirit, you're full. I'm not saying you don't have God. You have God, and you're full of God. You have the Holy Spirit. You're not half Christian. Come on now. Because sometimes tongue talkers try to make the rest of people that are not tongue talkers seem like they're half Christian. All right now. Don't shout me down. (laughs) So if you haven't received this, it's not like you're a lesser Christian. You're a half Christian. No, you're full of God. But we are saying is that you haven't received another gift that can help you and empower you. And notice, it's not a something that is earned. It's a gift. And it's a gift to help you. That's the only reason I'm talking about it this morning. I could keep it to myself if I wanted to. But he says, I'm going to give you another gift that the Holy Spirit's not just going to come in you. He's going to come upon you. So Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit. So this is what happens when you receive Jesus. You're full. But there's another experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you start praying in the Spirit. And that's what he refers to as out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. So you get full, but notice when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit... You get overflowing. Sorry, Miss Jenny. It's water. I am the pastor, so I mean, come on, can I do this? 
So notice what happens. The Holy Spirit comes and fills you, and it fills you so much that something's got to come back out. That's what praying in the Spirit is. You get so full of the Holy Spirit that something's got to come back out. And that's your prayer language that comes out. And that's what Jesus refers to as there's going to come a day that you're not just going to be a river. Out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. What is that? That is the Holy Spirit. That is your prayer language that's going to flow out of you. Why? Because you're going to get so full, something's got to come out. And what comes out is not ugly, is not nasty. It is a beautiful, spiritual, holy, powerful language that God has given you. And it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. And it is for every believer if you want it. I said if you want it. You don't have to have it. You're still going to go to heaven. You're still going to have an awesome life with God. But there's a gift. I want to receive all the gifts that God has. So when he comes on you, that's the experience that happens. And we're going to pray for people later on today. What happens is when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you get so full that something's got to come out. And what starts coming out and knows it comes out of your heart, your spirit, is a prayer language. And it's from God. It's unknown to your mind, but it's from God. And it starts coming out as rivers of living water. You still here today? Are you guys really into this today? I'm not for sure. I feel like I'm boring you, but okay. I'm just trying to be thorough. I want to answer the questions you have. So let's look over at the book of Acts again. Acts 1. So it says they were all filled, notice filled, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. That's where the term spirit-filled comes from. Talk about we're a spirit-filled church or spirit-filled believers or spirit-filled person. That's where it comes from because they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And notice they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, just like you get baptized in water, the Holy Spirit comes, and Jesus said he would baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And what does baptism mean? It means that you're immersed in the Holy Spirit. That you are covered. Notice that the Holy Spirit doesn't just come in you, but he comes on you to give you power to do what you're called to do. And so in the same way we get baptized in water, we can get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when you get so full, something's got to come out. Acts 2 and verse 4. Acts 2 and verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Or we could say words. Gave them words. They were all filled and the Holy Spirit began to speak. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice what it says. They spoke, but the Spirit gave them the words. They spoke, but the Spirit gave them the words. Now let me bring more clarity to this. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, He's not going to make you speak anything. Now, some people have, once again, misrepresented the Holy Spirit. And they act like when you pray in tongues or when you receive the Holy Spirit, you can't control yourself. So this is what a lot of people think. Well, I don't want to receive the Holy Spirit because I don't want to be like that. And I don't want to look weird. And I don't want to have this experience like some of us have seen. You see somebody who says they've received the Holy Spirit and their eyes are drawn back in their head and they're acting like a zombie and they're shaking and they can't control themselves and they're praying in tongues and they can't stop. 
that's not God. Notice it says, they began to speak, the people, as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. So notice, we have to speak, so the Spirit of God will give us the words to say. And you know why that is? Because the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to say anything. He's not going to come grab your tongue and start wagging it and making you make all these weird noises and you can't control yourself and you're acting like a zombie from The Walking Dead. No, he's not going to do that. I promise. Weird people have done that, but that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, notice, he gave them the words to say, but they had to speak. They would have never spoken in tongues if they never would have opened their mouth. But it's promised here that as we open our mouth to speak, because that's our faith, that the Spirit of God will fill our mouth with the right words, which is our prayer language. But notice we have to speak. And the Spirit of God gives us the words to say. You still here this morning? So we have to speak, but the Spirit of God gives us the words to say. And it also says that when we speak, it's not in our known language or known tongue. So when we're speaking in tongues, we usually don't know the interpretation of what we're saying. Because it's a language that's heavenly. It's a spiritual language. Now, there is times that you can interpret your spiritual language. But a lot of times when you're praying in the spirit, it is a spiritual language. It says that your mind in the book of Corinthians is unfruitful. So it means that your mind doesn't know these words because it's not from your mind. It's from your spirit. Are you still listening? So let's turn over actually to 1 Corinthians and let's read it. First Corinthians 14. First Corinthians 14 and verse 2. Now these are some of the most familiar verses about praying in the Spirit. First Corinthians 14 and verse 2. It says, For he who speaks in a tongue, or could say a language, does not speak to men, notice, but speaks to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and comfort to men. Verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So we see that when we pray in tongues, we're not speaking to men, we're speaking to God. It also says that our understanding or our mind is unfruitful. We don't know what we're saying but we're speaking, it says, mysteries in the Spirit. Now, even though our mind does not understand what we're saying, doesn't make it less important. Because let's be honest, your mind is what's getting you in trouble right now in the first place. Nobody want to say amen in here? That's the truth. Your mind is your problem in the first place. It would do you good to turn it off a little bit. That's your problem right now in the first place. You're thinking about stuff too much, and you don't have answers in your mind, do you? No, you don't. The Holy Ghost just came on me. I had to say it. I'm not taking it back. (laughs) So we see that the Holy Spirit comes on us, and we pray, but our understanding is unfruitful, but we're praying things in the Spirit. We're praying out. The plans and purposes of God in the Spirit. Now, this is uh, something interesting. And actually, we're going to give you this article, this handout. But let me read this to you. Speaking, uh, Speaking about your prayer language doesn't come from your mind. It's not in your mind. You don't understand it. Um, This is a a known doctor who is a neuroscientist. He said he compared brain scans of Christians praying in tongues with other different religious people praying. 
And the study showed when people prayed in tongues, the frontal lobe, the brain's control center, went quiet when the brains of Christians talking in tongues. Notice proving that tongues, speaking in tongues, isn't a function of the natural brain, but an operation of the spirit. So this guy hooked up people to brain scans while they were praying in tongues. And when they were praying, none of those words were coming out of the part where your speech is, is in your frontal lobe. You know why? Because you don't pray in tongues through your mind. And it says there, notice science is confirming the Bible. Funny how that works. He says your mind is unfruitful when you're praying in the spirit. Why? Because it's not coming from your mind. It's coming from your heart. It's coming from your spirit. So those words that you're speaking in your prayer language, they're not coming from up here. They're coming from your heart. So that's why your mind is unfruitful. But notice that doesn't make it less important. It makes it supernatural. So when you're praying, those words that the Holy Spirit will give you come from your heart, come from your spirit. They don't come up here. And we know this. The Bible says you can't receive anything from God in your mind. You don't receive from God in your body. Notice you receive from God in your heart, your spirit. That's the way that God speaks to us and God uses us is our spirit. So let me say a couple things before we close about the importance of praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit prays out your future. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, we just read it. It says that he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, but no one understands him. However, in the, the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. That word mysteries in the original is plans and purposes. So let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. When you pray in the Spirit, it's not just gibberish. It's not insignificance. It's not because you're emotionally unstable. You need a prayer language. You are praying in the Spirit. You see, I got a little bit defensive when I say that, but it's true because I've heard too many remarks about Spirit-filled people that are not true. Walking in love, walking in love, okay, walking in love. You're not emotionally unstable, you're okay, all right. So when we're praying in the Spirit, the Bible says we are praying out plans and purposes of God for our life that we don't know about right now. And there is things when you give yourself to praying in the Spirit. I'm about to preach. We're preaching now. When you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying out the plans and purposes of God for your life even though your mind does not know what you're praying. And it's good that your mind doesn't know what you're praying because your mind would try to get in fear about what you're praying about. Your mind would try to contradict the plans and purposes of God that your spirit is praying out. So it's good that we pray in the spirit because we get out of our head and into our heart and we pray out the plans and purposes of God for our life that won't come to pass unless we pray it out. we got to pray out what God has put in. He's put things in us, but notice how do we get those things out? How do we get those things in our future? we got to pray them out by the Holy Spirit, by our personal prayer language. Pastor Nancy said like this. She'll be here next week. She said that she had a, a vision when she was praying in the Spirit. She said that she saw that when she prayed in the Spirit, it was like railroad tracks. So the more she prayed in the Spirit, the more she got to move forward on the railroad track, the more she went into her future. But as soon as she stopped, the railroad track stopped, and she wouldn't move any further. Why is that? Because when you pray in the Spirit, you pray out the plans and purposes of God for your future, even though sometimes your mind doesn't know what they are. And you're praying out things that you're going to experience years from now, but you don't even know it. You're praying out your future. You're praying out direction. You're praying on the right things that you should do in the future. And notice since you prayed it out, when you get there, you'll make the right choice. And the more you pray, notice the more the plan of God is like laying railroad tracks. The further you move, the further you move, the further you move. And when you stop praying about it, your life stops moving forward. Because you're praying out the plans of God. That's what, notice that's one thing a personal prayer language does for you. 
That's what a spiritual language does for you. Let's look at Isaiah 28, 11. Isaiah 28, 11. I know I'm throwing a lot at you today. Hopefully you're okay. <laughs> Isaiah 28, 11. Isaiah 28, 11. Now, why in the world are we going to Isaiah 28, 11? Well, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, it quotes this verse speaking about praying in tongues. So that's how this verse fits. In Isaiah even though he was hundreds of years before the Holy Spirit was poured out, was prophesying about what this would do for you. And notice what it says, Isaiah 28 and verse 11. It says, for with stammering lips and another tongue. He's talking about praying in tongues, a prayer language. He will speak to his people. Verse 12, to whom he said, this is the rest in which we cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. So when we pray in the Spirit, notice Isaiah prophesied about it years before it happened. He says that praying in an unknown tongue or in a spiritual language brings rest and refreshing. And everybody could use some of that. I'm going to go ahead and say yes for that, for you. You tired of being grumpy all the time? You sick and tired of being sick and tired all the time? You need some rest and refreshing. And guess where you get it from? The Holy Spirit. And you get rest and refreshing to your spirit, your soul, and your body by praying in an unknown tongue. By praying in a spiritual language, you can bring rest and refreshing no matter where you are on the planet. No matter what situation you're going through, you can bring rest and refreshing to yourself anytime you want to pray in the Spirit. Anytime. Isn't that wonderful? You're having a rough day? Don't keep talking about you're having a rough day. Get in your car and start praying in the Spirit. And watch the rest and refreshing that the Spirit of God brings to you. So when we pray in the spiritual language, it brings rest and refreshing to our lives. Now, Smith Wigglesworth, he was a well-known apostle of God, did signs, wonders, and miracles. Some of you know who he was. He lived about 100 years ago. Smith Wigglesworth would say, I don't need a vacation. I just pray in tongues. He had so much faith in that. Because he had experienced it so much. When he got tired, when he got weary, he would pray in a spiritual language. And it would bring rest and refreshing to his spirit, his soul, and his body. Come on now, somebody. You listen this morning. That's what a spiritual language does for you. Sometimes we've been taught this, but we don't ever get taught the benefits of why we're doing it. People just tell us, well, you need to pray in tongues. Why? If we only studied our Bible, we would realize how important it is for our life and how significant. Notice, it's a gift from God to help us. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Now, just to let everybody know, there is... So much more stuff I could talk about today that I'm not going to get to. But we have handouts for everybody at the end of service. And so at the end of service, we're going to pass these out to everybody. And it covers more stuff than I could cover today. It has scriptures. And it's ten reasons why you should speak in tongues. So as you go, you'll get one of these too. Because if you got questions, even after today, you can read this and hopefully you can get some answers. So Romans 8.26, it says... Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, the Holy Spirit. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because, notice, he makes intercession for us according to the will of God. So when we pray in the Spirit, it says the Spirit of God Helps us pray when we don't know how to pray. 
And when we pray in the Spirit, it's always a perfect prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in times already in my young life where I don't know what to do and what to pray. Can I get amen from anybody in the house of God? You ever been there before? You are out of words to pray. You don't know what to do. And it says when you get in those times, you are not by yourself. When you get in those moments when you don't know what to do, you're not alone on this earth. Notice the helper comes. And he says he intercedes or he prays through you when you don't know what to pray. So that you can get through things that you couldn't get through by yourself. Come on now. And you can do things that you couldn't do because you ran out of strength. And you ran out of hope. And you ran out of peace. But the Holy Spirit helped pray things out of you when you ran out of words to pray. And the Holy Spirit comes, notice, and he intercedes through us. When we're out of words. Come on now. I'm encouraged this morning already. I'm going to pray in tongues more this week. And so when we don't know what to do, when we don't know what to pray, we can pray in the spirit every time. And it will be a perfect prayer. And he will pray things that we need to pray. But we don't know what to do in our own strength. Last but not least, 1 Corinthians 14. First Corinthians 14 and verse 4. I know it's been a lot today, and I appreciate you guys for staying with me and staying focused. I just wanted to be thorough to try to explain as much as I could about this. This is a big subject. It's not like you can skim over it. So 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4, it says, He who speaks in a tongue or spiritual language edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So notice when you speak in a tongue, you edify yourself. Now, edify, we don't use that word that much, but the word edify means to build up. When you pray in the Spirit, you build yourself up. We could say it like this. It's the same way when you go to the gym. When you go to the gym, you're building yourself up. You're lifting weights so you can get stronger. When you pray in the Spirit, it's the same thing. You are using your spiritual muscles so that you get stronger. And every time you pray in the Spirit, you're getting stronger because you're using your spiritual muscles. And every time you pray in the Spirit, you're building yourself up. You're strengthening yourself for whatever life throws your way. You're building yourself up so you're not a weak, feeble believer, but you're strong and full of life because you've been using your spiritual muscles, praying in the Spirit. Another way to say it is when you pray in the Spirit, you, you improve yourself. You need a makeover? Pray in tongues. It might not be able to help your face, <laughs> but it can help your attitude. Yeah, which would help your face. Smiling would help. You want to improve yourself? You know, there's so many self-help books around. I'm not against them. You, you could use reading some self-help books. They don't hurt. Talking about, you know, leadership and discipline because we need that. Here's a free way to improve yourself. Pray in the Spirit. And it, another word is you improve yourself. You become a better person because you're in contact with the Holy Spirit. And you improve yourself. So you improve yourself. You build yourself up. You strengthen yourself. Another word is you charge yourself. And if anybody else has struggles with their phone battery, like I do, you know that you got to charge it. If you want it to work, if you want to use it, you got to keep it charged up. And there's a lot of people that haven't plugged into God in a long, long time. And it shows. Trust me. We see you. I see you this morning. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but notice when you pray in the Spirit, you charge yourself. So now you're going into your world, into your life, not on empty. Not on 20% battery and your phone is dying. You're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through the day? 
But when you pray in the Spirit, you're charging your spirit up. So when you go out, you're full of life. You're full of God. And notice that all comes from praying in a spiritual language. So when we pray in the Spirit, it charges our life and our spirit. Well, could you stand up with me this morning? Brother Darrell, could you come play? Thank you guys for coming. I know it threw a lot of things your way. And before we go, we'll hand these out. Not right now, but we'll hand them out before they leave. This is other reasons that I didn't even get to mention today about how important it is to pray in tongues or pray in a spiritual language. So let me ask this this morning. I know a lot of people are saved here. But maybe you need to accept Jesus. That's the most important thing you can do. That's the most important gift you can receive. So let me ask this. Everybody focused on your life right now, focused on your future. Let me ask that nobody will look around for a moment. If you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, you need to know that you're saved, you're going to heaven. Could you lift up your hands? I know a lot of people are saved already here, and a lot of people know God. 